Section 10 of An American Vendetta. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. An American Vendetta, a story of barbarism in the United States by T.C. Crawford. Chapter 6, Part 2. Cap Hatfield gave another story of himself, which is fully corroborated by his father, which illustrates very well the character and style of entertainment given in this part of the country. Careful people never attend any of the rare religious gatherings in the small schoolhouses throughout the country, for the reason that these meetings so often break up in shooting matches. Cap Hatfield's first great adventure, the one which I have just referred to, occurred at a dance which was given at Logan Courthouse. He arrived upon the scene in company with a dozen or more mountaineers, with their girls, a half hour too late. They found the floor of the room engaged by them occupied by a Dr. Reese. Doctor seems to be a common term among the mountaineers for those of their associates who have any knowledge of herbs. This doctor was called upon by Cap Hatfield to surrender the room. He said no, that they were there first, and that the others could dance the following evening. Of course, there was only one result that could follow. Cap Hatfield drew his revolver, but the doctor was too quick for him. He shot him through the two hips, and the youngster who was soon to become noted as the most bloodthirsty and relentless of the murderers of these mountains fell and was so paralyzed that he could not continue firing. It was the intention of the doctor to advance and complete his work. This appears to be one of the irresistible attractions about a shooting match. When a mountaineer's blood is once up, and he has got his man down, he is merciless, and does not consider his work complete until he has put his gun against his fallen enemy's head and blown his brains out. But the friends of Hatfield crowded between and drove back the doctor. Ants Hatfield got out his Winchester, loaded it carefully, loaded his revolver, and then turned his attention to his son. He attended him himself, and according to his own story, did not take off his clothes for thirty days. Then Cap got well and was able to be about. This fact freed Dr. Reese. There was no complaint ever made against him before the local authorities, and Ants Hatfield said, Let him go. He did not kill, so I've got nothing to say. If he had killed my boy, I should have killed him to make it square. But as it is, my boy was in the wrong in the first place, and this little prickin' don't hurt him any. There is nothing in which Ants Hatfield takes more pride than his fort. He called on his neighbors to assist him in building it. It is exactly six logs in height. Its ceiling consists of loose-fitting poles, perhaps four inches in diameter. Over them is a sharp-pointed roof of heavy shingles. I suggested to Cap Hatfield that the bullets could come through the shingles very easily, but he at once explained how no bullet fired through the shingles could touch those inside. In the first place, in order to shoot down through the shingles, one would have to be considerably above the house, and then the bullets would simply glance into the loose poles. The only article of furniture in the fort is an old mattress filled with feathers. There is an open fireplace large enough for cooking purposes. It was upon this pallet that Wild Bill lay after he was shot in the heel by the Kentucky detectives. 
during our visit i do not remember anything more dramatic and more striking than the disarming of cap hatfield the principal outlaw by john b floyd floyd is a very powerful man and he told me he believed that he could bring in the whole outfit of the outlaws alone if he felt so inclined it was during our visit by the side of the stream that floyd walked up in an aimless sort of way till he reached the vicinity of cap hatfield and then like a flash his hand went into his holster and he had his pistol out before hatfield knew what was being done then cap made a rush and seized him by the wrist but floyd shook him off in a second the younger hatfield smiled as if he regarded the whole thing as a joke but a very poor kind of a joke he said no man ever did that there before and you bet your life no man will ever catch me again that way the manners of the hatfields are of the most primitive kind such an article as soap is absolutely unknown in the history of the family the guests just before dinner are invited to wash in a passing stream about twenty feet from the house one towel about the size of an ordinary circular was furnished for three men there was a little tin wash-basin by the side of the creek furnished on account of the visitors but the hatfields themselves washed directly in the brook the men women and children of this family and the guards all sleep in the same room i am told by those who have had night quarters in the houses where both sexes swarm to such a degree that there are as much modesty and decency observed as if each person had a separate room the men are generally seated about the fire and ignore according to the etiquette of the place the retiring of the women folks to their pallets the girls go to bed first and they are always up first in the morning each member of the family is divided off from the other by a winchester in order to get the exact pronunciation of this word as it is used in this neighborhood you want to pronounce it with a very long drawl and the accent on the second syllable Aunt hatfield was very much interested in the objects of my visit mr floyd explained to him first that i was very anxious to have the hatfield mccoy feud settled and that was the real reason of my coming there he did not seem to understand exactly what a newspaper was he had never heard of a single one of the new york newspapers and only very vaguely of new york he said that he had heard that it was a very pretty country down there appearing to imagine that it was another section of the green mountain briar patch in a land very remote from any place known by him he never was in a large town in his life and has no more idea of what goes to make up the life of a great city than the wildest savage of the plains i explained to him something of the character of new york and told him that he could make a great deal more money down there than he could by hiding in the brush in the mountains why i said after my story about you has been published in the world you can come down to new york with your son dressed just as you are carrying your winchester and revolvers and be placed on exhibition i am sure you could get at least five hundred dollars a week such a fabulous sum as this made the eyes of the chief outlaw fairly open wide with amazement he showed some of the qualities however of a business man for he instantly replied well now see here i want to make a bargain with you when this here hatfield mccoy feud is settled i want to come down to new york and if you will get me that thar engagement why i'll give you half i get out of it but it is no use of talking about it now 
them thar varmints of the officers of the law would not like any better chance than to catch me outside of these yar mountain lines and there is not enough money anywhere to tempt me to put myself within their reach aunt hatfield may well consider himself safe from the officers of the law it is probable that every one of the hatfields visited by me will go down some day from the bullet of an enemy but it is not remotely probable that any one of them will be punished for his many crimes in any legal way there is some apparent justification for the acts of such an outlaw as Anse hatfield he is an energetic soldierly man who served all through the confederacy and who learned in that war his first disregard for the taking of life when he returned to this community he found it just as he left it the law officers are officers in mere name it would not have been possible for him at the time of the killing of his brother ellison hatfield to have obtained any punishment for the three mccoys who set upon him and cut him till he fell mortally wounded so taking that view it is not hard to understand how Anse hatfield organized a band of executioners to punish the three men who without reason and spurred on by the rage of a petty quarrel over the most trivial of subjects attacked and killed a man whose sole fault was that he was trying to make peace and to prevent the quarrel from reaching serious consequences End of section ten.